I'm Scott Blakeman, getting through this in Manhattan. And I'm Tom Saunders in Los Angeles. Located in New York's theater district, there is a historic bar that goes by the name of Joe Allen's. The only decor on its storied walls are brightly covered, colored, professionally designed posters of Broadway shows that failed. The entire restaurant serves as an ironic and perhaps morbid reminder that in show business, well, there are far more bombs than Bafo B.O. And clever advertising can only take you so far or nowhere at all. There's no such bar celebrating failed television shows, alas. And even if there were, it's still 2020 and health experts would admonish us to eschew such venues. But just by visiting a magical space called YouTube, we can imagine what might run on the screens over the bar in a Joe Allen's restaurant for TV. A 30-piece orchestra swells and a female chorus sings the name Norby as the star David Wayne struts onto his front lawn and is joined by his adoring wife in the opening credits of this forgotten television show that was decidedly not part of the golden age of television. Eastman Kodak Company presents Folks all know that I love Norby If you wonder why I just come down my street I want you to meet my Norby Wow, well, there's something strange, <laughs> exhilarating and, and laugh producing and many just well, not just strangely exhilarating, but just strange, actually, about watching the compilation, which Tommy and I did, of 32 opening theme songs of unknown television programs. More than one show had Hey in the title, like Hey Genie, starring, you guessed it, Jeannie Carson, who, well, she must have been somewhat known in 1956. Jeannie Carson show in its second season. And then there's Hey Mulligan. Starring Mickey Rooney about a bumbling page at a television network, which is created by a very young Blake Edwards. Now, in this show, there's one inexplicable scene, inexplicable scene showing Rooney bumping into Milton Berle, who asks where Milton Berle's dressing room is. And Mickey replies, I don't know where it is, Mr. Hope, which causes Uncle Milty to bellow, hey, Mulligan. Now, the wonder of this kind of time travel is that a television program like Hey Mulligan, may not be a good one for you to feel glad you went back in time to see it. Scotty, <clears throat> when I think of Hey Mulligan, I think of the writers and the crew in the show who must have been thrilled about their jobs. How proud they must have been of these shows and excited about their future. But most fooled by fate must have been the actors who thought they were going to be on a hit show and enjoy a life only television stars in the 1950s could enjoy. Surely all <laughs> their friends and relations thought so too and gathered around the magic box to see what the whole nation was watching, or so it was assumed. From where we are now in time's great freeway to the future, we can look back and marvel at these hope-filled actors and comedies forgotten decades ago, yet... Here they are now, trying as hard as they can to be funny, exercising every muscle in their faces. 
However hard these show folks toiled in the 1950s, their suffering cannot be appreciated no matter how hard we try because when we watch these shows brought back from the dead on YouTube, we may find them fascinatingly unreal, unimaginative, and unfunny, often hilariously so. Now, although these shows would certainly find themselves on your speculative Joe Allen wall of flops, even Hey Mulligan, which was the unusual second title, it said the Mickey Rooney Show and also Hey Mulligan. It ran for 39 episodes, which was what was common in those times. It only had one season. So 39 episodes in one season would make it a hit longevity-wise today's standards. And we must remind our listeners that in the mid-50s, Virtually no one actually owned a television set, which means we may now be, Tommy and I, the definitive scholars and critics of the Mickey Rooney show, Hey Mulligan, television program. Scotty, it, sure, it surely is only a matter of time until we become the foremost scholars of all failed situation comedies and can attain the first PhD in that field. And finally, finally, Scotty, <laughs> be referred to as Doctors Blakeman and Saunders. And, towards, <laughs> and here's a data dump. It's, it's true that in 1950, only 20% of households had a television set, but that number actually increased immediately and exponentially so that by 1955, when Hay Mulligan came along, an astonishing 60% of families in the United States would have watched or could have watched, let's say, all of the episodes of Hay Mulligan. Apparently, most chose not to. And the reasons for this are apparent when you see the first, very first episode of the series, Scotty. The show was sweetened with a, a, a laugh track called Can Laughter. This we know because we hear an audience laughing mysteriously during a scene in which literally nothing takes place. Let's listen. We see Mickey Rooney carrying a big, huge stack of papers into an office of the program director at a large television show. He's having trouble because he doesn't know, he doesn't know how to open the door while carrying a huge, oh, and then he falls onto the floor with all the, and the audience laughs. So what's funny here, Scotty, is yeah. very hungry. As far as I can uh, Yes, and he ate for a vending machine. But uh, I, I watched, I've watched two Hey Mulligan. This is something I must say that uh, my friends always get me to watch current programming, which is considered a new golden age of television. And I almost never do that. And I almost never watch shows on my phone. Yet I've watched two Hey Mulligans on my phone. I watch what some people call uh, the pilot episode. I, I think the, the episode referred to may not have been, but whatever it was, though, uh, it's this, this that particular episode. It's still not funny, but it was strangely more interesting than a boxing episode where Mickey's uh, character somehow was training to be a boxer. That one was a little uh, odd. But the one that that you refer to in reference, uh, they were trying to make a point about television programming and the average man, and he he wound up playing the average man because he guessed 
what the most popular shows were on this imaginary network that he worked for. And they were always the shows that the other executives saw. Oh, no one's watching that because they were stupid sounding shows like Super Duper Saturday Extravaganza. But those are the ones everyone watched. So I think there was some satiric attempts being made that didn't work. But at least these shows succeeded in the sense that it gave us a window and a time capsule really into the past. Well, that absolutely is is very, very true. Uh, these visits to another time period were, were fascinating and, 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 and truly, truly amusing, uh, uh, quite frankly, because of the quaint inhabitants of the 1950s and their enthusiastic efforts to be entertaining. Uh, it, it really is a fascinating journey in time travel because you're looking at, a <clears throat> at something different from, than a movie. You're looking at people who are, have formed a little television family. And it's a fake family, but in many ways, it's more important to them than their real families are. Yeah. Because this, these are the people they're going to be acting with and living with and being famous with and make lots of money with. And, and you see in, in their performances, the, their, their kind of effort to really make a go of this. And, and you kind of, it's, it, it's, there's something very poignant about failed television series when you revisit them, that, that's different from a, a watching a movie bomb, for example. Yeah, and of course you've worked on many uh, successful and, and not as successful shows, but and that dynamic exists. But, but the interesting thing though, as I alluded to, is that even the so-called failures still got a run that beats the successes of, of modern day uh, shows. And so, and it was early the infancy of, of television situation comedies which is fascinating too and i wondered how blake edwards wound up there and and you know yeah. he got, went on to be a you know, brilliant director very sophisticated uh, he continued to write uh, movies as well and, and yeah wrote the pink panther and and, and breakfast hippies he directed but but uh, many many great so and i did more research because uh, i was just picturing because they had different names in those days tommy you know now it's sort of just the names are different. I mean, John Fenton Murray and Benedict Friedman were a team that wrote a lot of them. And I researched John Fenton Murray. And it turns out he worked for Red Skelton for 12 years and on radio and television, helped create, created some of his famous characters. And I read his obituary. Uh, he passed away in 96. They said he was a hilarious guy. And he wrote for Jerry Lewis movies and, and ultimately Chico and the Man and Good Times in the late 70s early 80s almost almost the modern era actually yeah. um for us at least yeah. so yeah the, the, it, uh, fascinating it is just begins to say it scotty because it also it's very interesting what people thought people would laugh at now we don't we can't say this is what people actually laughed at in those days a guy comes in and he's carrying a huge stack of papers too big and he's obviously in his 30s but you know, Mickey Rooney is, uh, you, you say he's playing. Well, he's playing a teenager who lives at home with his parents. But by the but in real life, he was only seven years younger than the woman who played his mother. Uh, <laughs> and he was in his mid 30s because Mickey, you know, is eternally young. And there's a very little note, you know, it's a very conventional show. And then there's details that just pop out that are bizarre. In the show, his mother was a, was a burlesque dancer. What he met his met her policeman husband because he was raiding the place. This is just <laughs> thrown off in that episode that you played. The secretary is explaining it, and it's just these bizarre little moments.
that uh, fast. Yeah, that would never happen on a modern show. No, uh, but also the the pre, pre, you know the fifties mentality and to throw in yeah, but that's very funny about the mom being a burlesque dancer. Like that gets in there, but you have to sleep in separate beds. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, um, uh, the uh, it's also interesting how long they would go without even a joke too. Like there would be a long period of time. Um, I played it now where there's just sort of a back and forth and not really anything. Yeah. A lot of exposition. Sort of. and that's because they, they didn't really have lots of writers. I think, I think they, they, they had to do like you, uh, you told me Scotty that they had 39 or something like that. Yeah, that was the standard the, you know, the famous, the successful honeymooners, ran one season, but there were thankfully 39 of them. So that's an incredible, uh, you know what it's like working in television. And even 24 episodes yeah. will break you. Yeah. It, 24 episodes will crush your spirit by the end of, uh, of that season. And the idea that you do 39, you have to dash them off. And there's, and, and you look at the writing staff, there's like maybe two, three or four writers. In a modern show, there'd be had the minimum would be like seven or eight writers, but often 14 writers will be toiling away constantly coming up with stuff. And you can just see that, no, it was kind of thin. <laughs> the writing staff was thin. They didn't really put a lot, but they put a lot of money into the uh, theme songs. Well, and, yeah, that doesn't exist these days, which I miss. And, and, and big, as we said, big orchestras and, and choruses and, and uh, it, you know, you don't have it anymore. And, and they had a lot of use of music. And, uh, you know, I missed that. It would be fun to do like 50s openings for modern day shows. Yes. Here's yeah. getting through this. Well, with, um, <laughs> well we're going to have one. I, I definitely uh, won't yeah. get yeah, we're, we'll we're be that. that. But like the Sopranos, like, well, the Sopranos did have a great, that that did have a great theme. Yeah, that, that, that actually did. And yeah. everyone loved that theme, too. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, um, it uh, people got, people kind of got uh, high up. People would talk about how it would, uh, hearing the theme put them in a Sopranos mode and they would actually feel better because it, and that's actually true, too. You'd hear these great themes that of the past and. Uh, uh, of shows that you, you know, bewitch, and you would get all perked up. Like if you heard that at school, when, you know, where you're grimly trying to work your way through algebra and then somebody plays by, by mistake over the loudspeaker, can you, can oh, there'd you imagine be... how thrilled you would Oh, be? I can, because that happened to me in, in elementary school or, or junior high school, I remember they would wheel in a giant TV. At least it wasn't the giant ones in the 50s where the screen was tiny, but it was a giant on a cart. And we had yes. to watch, you know, PBS at the time, Channel 13. And while the teacher was out of the room, we changed the channel. Gosh. Like, I love Lucy. And we just <laughs> were, the, the reaction was beyond joy and, and hysteria. We beat the system. We're seeing TV in school. And, and the theme songs and everything, it was so exhilarating. Oh, incredibly. Yeah, you were beating the system. You're, and even advertising, you know, commercials. Oh, incredible. Chewed at, at, when you're at home. But in school, it's, it's the world, you know, the world that you want to live in has bled into this prison-like <laughs> atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Documentaries about sad people and 
Bolivia, just something. Mama makes food by carving. It was these sad, just document. <laughs> makes food by mashing corn in a bowl using a rock. Yeah, yeah. And I, I you know, I wish them well, but it was just not a. And then you turn <laughs> I Love Lucy on, it was hysterics and mayhem and, and so great. <laughs> and uh, she's eating too many candy bars or whatever, chocolate things. Oh, I love it. And doing silly things that you're not supposed to do. By the way, I mean, I Love Lucy is a really interesting. You mentioned two of the most famous 1950s sitcoms, The Honeymooners yeah. and I Love Lucy. And, uh, and, and, and we, it, it's interesting how many sitcoms failed, how many sitcoms are completely norby. And uh, um, the, uh, you know, well, there was the, even a Lucille Ball Desi Arnaz show in this compilation of opening themes that was not successful. And I imagine it had to be before I Love Lucy. Uh, it was the yeah no no it, it, it if you go on uh, as we know you go to YouTube and you look up uh, 1950s forgotten TV show themes and you see this just endless parade and which we played some of from the Norby show yeah. of, of shows that indeed are utterly forgotten and it is like Joe Allen's Wall because you see these the, all this um, effort to put it that went into these title sequences often animated. Yeah, which is very expensive and time consuming. And so animated with the characters of the people playing the in the show and, and then the show fails. So it's this huge loss of money. It's just a complete, uh, you know, red ink uh, situation. And everybody has to go. Um, OK, Blake Edwards, he goes on to have a terrific career. Mickey Rooney, he goes on to play a Japanese guy in Practice uh, Tiffany's, which Practice was directed by Blake Edwards, from who was the showrunner for uh, Hey Mulligan. So, and hopefully the others did too. And you know, and and uh, but but hey, I love your 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 hopeful attitude. I I, I have this. I, uh, um, uh, I think that's that's well, I think because it was a different time. I think now certainly, you know, if you get a lot of money in this, I think and again failure. I never like the term failure. No, I think because uh, I don't think marriages that don't work. I don't think those are failures. Uh, I think the only failure, and this sounds like a self-help thing, is the things you don't try. But, uh, you know, that, that, a show that ran for a year, and I'm sure they had great experiences. I don't know what Mickey was like to uh, work with, um, but it was, uh, yeah. And, and actually, in those days, television was not, as you say, people were starting to own televisions. No, they were. Mostly in, the affluent, too. In 1953, though, I think you, you, it was just the, the curve was, you, look at, you can look at charts showing how people would buy were you know were own ownership of TV it was very it was pretty low it's only two percent uh is it is that right two percent of the households in 1950 and shoots up it just shoots up but night by 1953 it, it is probably you know it's I don't know it's probably not 60 percent it's probably more like 30 percent yeah yeah right? it was so still, still a minority you're right yeah and so it was the affluent and you know we speak of the golden age of television but that's really more the mid to late 50s and it was really the dramas i mean not to i mean you you know i don't think there were common you know there were some actually john fenton murray who wrote many of the hey mulligans went on to be a writer for mikhail's navy which was a huge copy <laughs> Hit. I mean, that, I love that that we're now uh, able to revive names of obscure writers. I don't think there's any podcast that is honoring these people who toiled in the vineyards of of TV comedy uh, only to be forgotten. But you're right. We're remembering them. We're reviving their names. 
And I feel like in many ways, Scotty, we are uh, scholars of of the sitcomery. Yeah, and that's a scholars. Yeah, and we're keeping alive uh, their art and their memory. And, uh, you know, and I would hope that John Fenimore's family would uh, hear this because, you know, you just see a name in Bodoni Bold on these old timey credits and you just picture them being these old men then somehow. And no, he was 35, 37 years old during Hey Mulligan. And went on to many, many years. I mean, he and he, you know, uh, he lived for another 40 years and did so many other shows. And so it's just fact. But did Mickey, was Mickey the one that scene that you referenced and, and played? Oh, I got a great gag. I'm going to come in holding all these files and I'm trying to open the door. And then the secretary opens the door. I fall through the door and it all falls. You know, and or did the studio say, you know, let Mickey do that kind of stuff. You know, Right. Yeah, or it may have been that the scene was so flat. Yeah, you know, because basically all he's coming in and saying, "Um, um," it's it's the sad thing. Uh, This is another reason why it's so important that podcasts like ourselves uh, uh, turn our attention to these matters because they're so overlooked. The sadness of comedy of yore, how the, the the things that people thought were funny. That now we would think is sad because, uh, like for example, the 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 uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin um, character, the little tramp, was always like eating his shoe because he was so hungry. Yeah, that was a funny gag. He ate his shoe. Well, on this, uh, hey Mulligan, and uh, uh, the uh, opening episode, I be- it says it's the pilot episode. I don't know. It's controversial. Yes, <laughs> we may never resolve this in our lifetime yeah. whether it's the real pilot, but. He comes in and he talks about and and and, and the uh, whatever this programming director who is a woman. I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, well, no, the uh, no, sadly, it's the secretary. Oh, yeah, no, she's sitting outside and the boss is and they all look the same. You know, the thin kind of like Bud Abbott kind of look, and uh, and all these men and kind of JB type guys, and the head of the network shows up and he's very kind of a gruff, like you know. Um, but they were trying something there and it was self-referential about television, uh, you know, and it was a fake network. And there was one scene where uh, he starts to say Mickey Rooney in the show starts to mention another network. And the head of the network says, to him, no, 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 we can't say the other network's name, not even in private conversation, <laughs> which is actually the closest to a funny line. It is. It's, um, did you hear? I kind of laughed. Yeah. And, and then he does say CBS, which was a rival network. And like an alarm goes off. So there was some having fun inside stuff there that would come out. And maybe it would come out more if we watched all 39. But uh, I well, wish we could, you know. That's a tall order. That's a tall order. Yeah. It's, but it's possible if, if we can get our hands on the other, the other episodes. But the fact that you can go online and, get, and see. And I imagine you could probably see a Norby. Uh, I have, we haven't checked into that. I mean, we're, this yeah. is all you know, unfolding as we speak in real time. So, you know, when we when we get that information, we'll we will give it to you as soon as we find out. Oh, absolutely. And we're thankful that we can access that. But uh, it's funny that to Johnny Carson so much, all of his New York shows, for the most part, were destroyed because they threw out the video, yeah. re, 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 reuse the videotape. But these live on. Nobody destroyed because it was filmed no. and, and and they and they look good. Well, uh, they look good. They're yep. black and white, but you can also uh, in, uh, this. Uh, this is uh, kind of interesting to me that they uh, uh, 
uh, when high definition TV came in, the old television shows that were on videotape yeah. really looked grainy. Yeah. Right. The, the, the ones or, were, or which were kinescoped. But actual film actually looked better now than when it was shown in the 1950s and 60s, because the, the film definition was always higher was, uh, 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 than TV was in those days. Yeah, so and Scotty, it actually, because it was filmed and, and because we now have high definition TV sets, uh, these 1950s shows look better. I, I know I said that twice. But well, but it's so important. I thought maybe some people. Exactly. Well, that's the whole definition here. of saying things twice, because the first time somebody might have dropped their pen, <laughs> you know, and then they've heard most of it, but they didn't get the import. But if you say it again, they've retrieved the pen by then and they yeah. give your undivided attention. So, that's, yeah, that's why I do it. That's I go, I, I go that extra mile. For oh, those yeah. Oh, and for something like that, you can't should believe that. But, you know, it is it's just exhilarating because yeah. until two days ago or yesterday, whenever you sent me the link to this, mm -hmm. I knew knew none of this, knew nothing. I knew there were TV shows, but that was I, that was all. I knew. And it's fascinating. And it literally could be a life's work. It's not going to be. But I could see you know, like an archaeologist who specializes in dinosaur, you know, right. bones. That's legitimate. Nobody's going to go, that's all Nobody you do? Says that they're, they're wasting their life. Yeah, no one says, that's it? Do you do something on the side? Or no, that's it. But to be a, a scholar, as we are becoming, of these uh, 1950s uh, forgotten comedies. Forgotten comedies. Yeah. And we're not that interested. I mean, everybody else, you know, loves to talk about, oh, remember that Lucy scene when, or, or the Jack, yeah. Jack and Gleason, or wow, pow, right to the moon. You know, everybody <laughs> loves to talk about that how boring that is to us. We've heard all those stories. Yeah. We delve into Norby and uh, uh, Hey, Joni. Oh, and yeah. Hey, Jeannie with Jeannie. And that was like, again, how did you come up with these names? And the, the opening scene for that is a cab driver pulls up and sees her and goes, Hey, Jeannie. And he says it. And then you flash, Hey, Jeannie. And the, the story very quickly for that, I read, she plays a Scottish woman who comes to America with no job and no friends, but is befriended by this taxi driver who, who lets her live with him and his family. And that's the premise <laughs> of Hey Jeannie. And she's Scottish. And if only immigration worked that well these days, it would be so nice if people could show up and be, get with the family that day and get their own show. Yeah, that would be the ultimate. But and that's and that's all it took to get a TV show on 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 a big major network. I I'm still I I I still am uh, dealing with the fact that in that or the alleged pilot that that the Mickey Rooney character was mainly the the joke the premise was he's hungry and he's been eating out of the vending machine because yeah. I guess he doesn't have enough food or something. But I thought he lived with his mom. Well, he, he lives with his mom and dad. And in that episode, he gets a lie detector test. And there's one line, he says, uh, but I, I didn't lie. Well, we call it a polygraph test. I didn't polygraph either. You know, a couple. Of, uh, but, uh, you know, he apparently ate a big breakfast. So, I, and again, it's a lot of exposition, you know. But that, a lot of those shows in those days, like, you know, even like, well, these weren't comedies, but like, um, the Robert Young show, you know, there's a lot of talk, even leave it to Beaver. There's a lot of talks like, oh, Beaver, see, when a man, you know, and that's five or six minutes there. So it wasn't the rat-a-tat thing of uh, radio comedy, although maybe radio comedy had a lot of that, too. So oh, talk, uh, radio comedy was all talk. 
it, actually, I think that was why it was all talk is because the the, uh, the uh, writers, as you say, you know, the, uh, back in the early 1950s came from radio and, and they were they had written on shows like the Rumi and Molly or Jack Benny or, or the Bickersons or, or, or Red Skelton for that matter. Yeah. And and and, um, and now they're writing on this new medium, but they're but they're like the uh, advertisers of magazines it's all about words so translating their abilities to um to this news to this new medium tended to be awkward because they and so yeah you would have a lot of back and forth gee wally but i don't understand when a girl says <laughs> you're cause you a creep what does that mean uh oh gee beef when a girl calls you a creep <laughs> it's kind of different from when i call you creep <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of, the, the, and I didn't comes, mind it. I, yeah. It was in that scene, that's why I called Yeah, it. no, 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 but it, that's exactly, I think so, that seems like it was from an actual Leave it to Beaver. And also, you know, with drama, and again, Tommy, I, I know what our listeners are thinking, and uh, I can't believe we're winding up. Why aren't we, and we will be in normal times, at UCLA doing something for the t School of Television? This is going in their archives, and, and, and relatives of John Fenton Murray and Benedict Friedman and you know, and the others involved with the show will be there and thank us so yeah, much. Yeah, yes, Scotty, this is exciting news. And I think, uh, I mean, uh, again, it's it's speculative, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, programming here or speculative academic um, uh, lecture hall usage. Yeah. I could foresee us having a, 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 a lecture series on obscure forgotten TV oh. shows. We oh, I we, imagine we, having a waiting list of 700 students. Uh, with, uh, if, oh, yeah. Everybody you can pack in, into uh, Royce Hall or whatever that. Oh, uh, I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. Great, uh, at at uh, UCLA. And we show and, and we do basically what we're doing now. Yeah. Uh, but people will pay to get in. And so it'll be a lot of, you know, I mean, obviously, we're not going to just let people you know, come in for free. Oh, uh, not at, at this point. We, we give away back, yeah. give away other inventions on the show, but the, actual right, live performances. Yeah, right, the space yeah. and, and so on. But we would give, and then we, you're right, we, whoever is still surviving from the show, and we could do a whole lecture. Just, well, we just did a whole podcast yeah. virtually on one obscure show, oh, although we did have... branch off into Hey Norby. Uh, or sorry, it was just Norby. There's no just hay. Norby, and uh, maybe it was Hay at one. But I love again to drill down on it was it was the Mickey Rooney show, and then the next slide, Hay Mulligan. Now that's I, <laughs> I know. Precedent, what was <laughs> yeah, the name they, of the show? <laughs> you, it, 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 what happened to Mickey Rooney show? Well, maybe they, they forgot who Mickey Rooney is, so they'll like Hay Mulligan. But or maybe it was Hay Mulligan. But then we won't know Mickey's in it. <laughs> so let's use both, which <laughs> right so unheard of. Before right. or after, yeah. <laughs> it was it, 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 yeah. So they clearly could not decide is this going to be the Mickey Rooney show, which everybody wants to see Mickey Rooney. It's 1953, he's yeah. still well, that's only what is it, 13 years after he was the hottest, yeah, uh, the I'm, most highly paid star in, in, in the movies, world. yeah, in the world. Yeah. And 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 uh, now he's well, he's things aren't you know, he hasn't been in a few movies. Shows, but anyway, he can play a teenager. He can play anybody. I, I think that people just had an exaggerated faith in Mickey Rooney in those years. Yeah, and that, a lot of them were called. It was the Bob Cummings show, the Ed Wynn show. Uh, there was all the the show, 
Uh, and then Bob, the Bob Cummings one, there was Bob Cummings show failure, but then love that Bob big. Success. Fit. So uh, a lot of, and, and Lucy and Desi had a second shot that obviously that third, or fourth, third. Yeah. And then it was just the Lucy show, but, but this one was, they couldn't decide. It was the Mickey Rooney show. And then you're, you're right. And then they, and then uh, credit dissolves into another credit. Hey, Mulligan. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mulligan. And so you're basically thinking, wait a minute. Uh, I guess so. It's the Mickey Rooney show, but it's not going to be lots of different characters, no singing and dancing. It's not going to be a big hour long kind of a variety show. It's going to be like, okay, now he's this guy and he's a teenager. And, you know, America didn't warm their hearts to that show. They did 39 episodes. And you're right, Scotty. Even even though it's 1953 and 19 uh, uh, and there's still most people do not have a TV show set in, in 1953. Yeah, 54, I, I, I believe it. Uh, August, end of August, 54. It opened, and, yeah. but it was 1953. I think it's it it, it premiered in 53, okay. and then it, it it's according to this information. Oh, okay, I, yeah, this. Uh, yeah, but then it, go, it bleeds over into 54. That's how the season usually works. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. fall of 53. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so, so that, but it was probably still three times what the ratings would have been now for, oh. a, for the biggest hit. Oh, absolutely. Well, even when I did NBC's Funny People in 1988, which was a short-lived show, a six-week show, we had a 20 share the first episode, which would be uh, the biggest hit ever now. No show approaches that. So, and think back to then. Enough. Wasn't nothing those times. That twenty share. Sorry, Scotty. Yeah. Just now I'd be, uh, you know, I get a deal anywhere. But but in those days, nineteen fifty three. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the, and we always joke about Uncle Milty, but he was literally the only show for a while. Right. Literally was opposed by a test pattern until Bishop Sheen came along, as we yeah. as we as we pointed out. So Uncle Milty, uh, who does appear, does make a, a cameo appearance in in one of the at least yes. one. Of the so, one we spoke of earlier where he uh, and it's it's he's wearing a white suit and it's he's asking for where his own dressing room is. And and Mulligan says, I don't know where it is, Mr. Hope. And then Beryl looks at him. Hey, Mulligan. And again, as I said earlier, it's inexplicable, but it's in a great way. It's kind of like it's not annoying. It's like I don't really get that, but it was kind of strange and fun, yeah, you know. It, it, lives in its own world in the 1950s you weren't supposed to say the wrong name to milton burrell you uh, uh, even though bob hope was uh, at least as big a uh and probably bigger must have been bigger yeah but milty would have been upset and my one question as we wind down uh and this should be Tommy. i mean this is one of those moments where i get the, the tingles because what you said we not that we would limit ourselves to this but we could literally travel around and do these highly popular lecture of of forgotten television of the, well that's the yeah. key that they would be highly popular i mean that's that's uh of course we could do this the problem will be you know how big a venue and how you know many people will be lined up outside and you it. want to keep the intimacy because we could do the staple center or the garden that's twenty thousand people and they they'll see us on a screen it's not the same thing it's not the same thing yeah, yeah I, I do i like the royce hall i like the academic uh, you know sort of like the 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 the, uh, the great traditional lecture halls of your you, you had one you know the, the yeah, well Northwestern uh, Tech Auditorium or we could do Con right. Auditorium that's about twelve hundred green and yeah. and you can show a you know and and then we can freeze frame on on uh, on Gil, um, Mulligan yeah and, yeah and 
and try to understand why people thought this or that, or why they hoped people would think uh, uh, being hungry and eating only candy bars was funny. I yeah. still don't get well, that. As and, I said, it's beyond comedy. It's like a look into a window into that era. And it's a great, the most fun time caps in the world. And my one question as we close, Tommy, and we're going to do this on a regular basis because it's opened up a whole great world and not a can of worms and not a Pandora's box, just good, happy presents. Uh, <laughs> but did Mickey ever... When you open up a box and it's not a Pandora's box, like just we opened up a, a, a you know a box of of chocolate. Yeah, and that didn't leap at you or didn't crawl yeah. on you. No, it's all a good box. Um, but I wonder though, did Mickey ever say to his great friend Judy Garland at any point during the third night shows, "Hey Judy, want to come on? Let's have some fun and play on my show." You would think surely Mickey, and there was, "Could we get Judy?" Yeah, I'm, I'm bet you they they put pressured him, and he was yeah. like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to branch out." I <laughs> yeah, right. I had that. I love it. I love her to death. But uh, you know, but that it would be. I'm sure it came up, and maybe we pressure, find out. Yeah, because Joe wasn't getting the numbers they were hoping, and towards the end, and and uh, you know, geez, if I mean, if you could do, and we could do a dance number, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, and so much, so much more to discuss, and as we. This yeah. may be our, almost our longest episode, but for now, I remain sincerely yours, Scott Blakeman. And I am Tom Saunders, and we're getting through this.